Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to this word this morning, you would take these words and you would plant them deep into us. Cause us to see the amazing care you have for us in our day-to-day life, to our final breath. Give us confidence in that, we pray. Father, help me to speak what you want me to speak. Help us all to hear what you want us to hear. And would you be glorified by our meditations now, we pray. Amen. As I said, we're turning to Psalm 23 this morning, and I'm going to hazard the guess that most of us know it, if we haven't just sung it. I mean, everyone knows it now. It's a chapter in the Bible, isn't it, that regularly makes the top 10 favourite parts of the Bible. And if you were to limit that just to the Psalms, it'd be number one, hands down. Perhaps it's famous because of the, uh, the peaceful picture that it gives. I saw one person this week said, there is no better psalm for Britain, for the British people, with the scene of the babbling brook uh, through the dense forest. You can imagine it now, can't you? Perhaps with classical music playing, uh, probably an oboe, if you know what I'm talking about. In my mind, Joe's like, yes, I know what that means, yes. In my mind, I always go to Wales. In my mind, it has to be a particular part of Wales, a place called Beth Gellert, where the sheep are roaming and the waters are flowing. Yeah? I'm getting nods. Good. But we need to remove that image from our minds this morning, because to really understand this psalm, we need to listen carefully to what the text is saying and what the text means. Because when we do that, here's a promise, we will find this psalm even more comforting, even more caring, even more delightful than we first thought. Two big things to help us get in the right mode for reading this psalm this morning, two big picture things. First of all, did you notice this psalm is a journey? At the start of the psalm, we're in the field. We're outside. We're in the shepherd's territory. At the end of the psalm, we're in God's house forever. We start in the field, verse 2. We finish in the house of God, verse 6. And the rest of the psalm is taking us on that journey. The second big thing to notice is just how personal this psalm is. The words at the start, the words that Mel read for us, they are part of scripture. Are those words that the NIV here has put in italics? They're as much a part of the psalm as the rest of it. What do they say? A psalm of David. See, as we come to this psalm, this passage, we know that it's David's psalm. He has written it. It is his reflection. So this psalm is extremely personal. We're going to see that as we go through. Yet it's also historical. This is a psalm of King David, a psalm of the king's personal experience, a psalm that points us to how God deals with his king and with all his people, in fact. So this is a psalm that we can all take comfort in this morning, a psalm that shows us what it is like to be under God's care. And it is a psalm that fits into a bigger story, a bigger question. This section of Psalms is asking, who can live with God? We're going to see more of that question next week. But in this section of Psalms, Psalm 15 to Psalm 24, it's all talking about who. Who can dwell with God? Who can live with God on his holy mountain? And that is where Psalm 23 takes us, isn't it? To God's abode, where God lives. To God's house, with God, 
enjoying God forever. So this morning, we're going to take that path. We're going to walk through this psalm. We're going to think, what is it like to be under God's care? Take that as our question, if you like, this morning. What is it like to be under God's care? We're going to be thinking about the imagery, looking at the scenery, and we're going to see what God is saying to us through it. So let's get on the path, shall we, and go through this psalm. What is it like to be under God's care? Well, the first thing that David says to us this morning is that being under God's care means that God shepherds us in the field. If you're a note taker, that's point one. He shepherds us in the field. That is verses one to three. And so verse one, we read this. The Lord is my shepherd. There's so much to unpack there in those first five words. Uh, The Lord, that is the Bible's way of speaking of the one true God. The one who has revealed himself to his people. The one who has made promises to his people. The one who created the world and will bring the world to its completion. The one who holds all things in his hands. That God, that Lord, is a shepherd, David says. Now, if you know anything about King David, you'll probably remember that he was a shepherd boy. That is his claim to fame. Uh, The shepherd boy become king of Israel. And to be a shepherd in the Bible, that is a big thing. I mean, many of the Bible's heroes were shepherds. Right from Abel, Genesis chapter 4, through to Abraham, through to Joseph, the most famous shepherd of all, through to Moses. See, to be a shepherd in the Bible is a big deal. But most of all, it's a big deal because God is described as a shepherd throughout the Bible. As Jacob, the father of Israel, comes to the end of his life, he says to his sons this, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, may he bless these boys. You see, when David says the Lord is my shepherd here, he's tapping into a vast history of shepherds in the Bible. There's immediate meaning to these words. Now, when we think about shepherds, uh, we tend to think of someone who has quite a peaceful job, uh, just moving the sheep around the field with a stick and a nice dog with it, yeah? Or if you have children my age, and I know there's some of you in this room, you might be thinking specifically of Farmer Tom from Tractor Ted. Although I don't want to put Farmer Tom down this morning, or any other shepherds, shepherding nowadays is relatively easy. To be a shepherd in David's day, what David's talking about here was harsh. Uh, The foxes of Britain, they hold nothing to the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, of ancient Israel. See, to be a shepherd was, was a brave task. In David's own words, he said this, when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, I seized the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, I struck it and I killed it. See, when we read shepherd here, we should have that in view. I mean, no wonder Israel saw their kings as shepherd figures. And so the Lord, he encapsulates that. He is a shepherd. Yet he's not just a shepherd, is he? I mean, he's not just the shepherd in this psalm. What does verse 1 say exactly? The Lord is my shepherd. Just notice that personal nature there. This isn't a statement of fact. This is an, uh, uh, it isn't just a statement of fact, correction. This is an experience. This is a personal, this is a relational statement, David's saying. The Lord is my shepherd. Like the sheep of Israel's day, in David's day, they're cared for by a shepherd. 
So David, the king of Israel, is cared for by God. And God does that for all his people. Elsewhere in the Bible, talking of God's people, it says this, God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. The Lord is my shepherd. That is what anyone who is under God's care can say. That is what every Christian can say. If that is you this morning, that is what you can say. But what does that mean? I mean, the rest of verse 1 explains it for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You might remember the older translations of this verse. Uh, We just sang one, actually. Uh, They used to confuse me as a child. Let me bring you into the mind of 10-year-old Dave. What did it used to say? The translation used to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, let me tell you, that confused 10-year-old me. The Lord is a shepherd, that sounds great, but I don't want him? What's that about? Why did the Bible tell me that? I used to wonder as I heard the Vicar of Dibley theme tune start playing, or the Stuart Hannan version we just sung. The translation we have here is far clearer, far better. The Lord is my shepherd, what does that mean? It means I lack nothing. I have everything I need for the here and the now. Remember this psalm, it's a journey. I pointed that out earlier. The Christian life is a journey. And when we're on a journey, we're far happier with less stuff than when we're settled. I mean, if you're travelling, you're, you're more content, aren't you, with the hand luggage. You don't need that 60-inch flat-screen TV with you. On this journey, God provides us with what we need. And he's done that for his people throughout time. This exact phrase, they lacked nothing, it's used earlier in the Bible when it talks about Israel's wanderings. Just hear this, Deuteronomy 2 verse 7. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. See, David knows what it's been like for God's people and he knows what it's been like for himself too. And so he writes this psalm to tell God's people this. If you are under God's care, he says, you lack nothing. And so verse 2. Notice this verse, verse 2 and verse 3. They tell us about what God does. They talk about the he that describes God's actions. Firstly, verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Just think about a sheep for a moment. When does a sheep lie down? I mean, if you see a sheep today uh, in a green pasture, you probably see them eating, that kind of thing, or just looking around. A sheep only lies down when it is fully content. In fact, you might have never seen a sheep lying down. See, a sheep only lies down when it feels completely safe. Think about an Israeli sheep for a minute. An Israeli sheep will only lie down when it knows there's no lions around to devour it. David is saying here that because he lacks nothing, because God is his shepherd, he can lie down. He can give his cares, he can give his worries to God, knowing that God has got him. And he can be sure that everything that God has promised is secure. He can have peace. He can be like a contented sheep. He can lie down. Picture continues, next part of verse 2. He leads me beside quiet waters. Or more literally, he leads me beside waters of rest. See, in these words, David is recalling the story of Israel again and again. Stories of when God had led his people in the past. When he led the people he'd redeemed. Guiding them on their way, bringing them to rest. To stillness. To quietness. Just as he promised he would. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. The shepherd brings life. He breathes life into his people. He brings his people back. He restores them to what they should be. 
How does he do that? Well, flick your Bible back one page, Psalm 19. Psalm 19 tell us, tells us how he does this. Psalm 19 verse 7 says this. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. You see, as David runs over God's actions in the past that are recorded for us in Scripture, his soul is refreshed. Come back to verse 3, 20, chapter 23. Because the other half of this verse, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. See, through God's word, God leads his people along the right paths, along the paths of righteousness. The picture language here is of well-worn paths, pre-worn paths. Like the path in a field, you know the one where you're walking along and there's a clear path because people have walked already over it. Or wheels have already gone, they've already rolled over the path, a well-worn, a well-tested path. That is the way the shepherd leads. Just notice he leads, not from behind, but from ahead. Our shepherd leads us on. Just reflecting on that for a few moments, it helps us see what a true sheep is like. What does a sheep who belongs to this shepherd look like? Well, someone who has God as their shepherd is someone who follows along the right paths. Someone who has God as their shepherd listens to God's word and follows its path. But why does God care? Why should God care? We're into verse 3. He cares for his name's sake. God cares for his people because of his name. God has taken his name and he has put it onto his flock. Just like a modern day shepherd sprays their colours onto the sheep to identify them. What happens to God's people shows something about God. Shows something about who God is. And so you can be sure that God is going to care for his own. The behaviour of God's sheep shows the goodness of the shepherd. Just think of the sheep again today. If a sheep looks hungry, if a sheep looks desperate, you can see its ribs sticking out, if it looks desperately trying to eat anything it's coming across, well, what are you going to think? Well, you'd be asking what that shepherd's doing, wouldn't you? God's name is on that flock. And God cares for them for his name's sake. God cares for his people in the field, his people on the journey. He has staked his own name on it. So what do you make of that? Can you say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing? Perhaps we can get at that question another way. Uh, do you think God cares for you? That God really cares about you? I mean, we can say God cares, can't we? But this psalm is personal. Remember, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. David is claiming here that God cares specifically for him. And if you're a Christian this morning, Psalm 23 tells us that you can be sure that God cares for you. And so you can find comfort. You can lie down, just as this passage says here. And if you're not a Christian this morning, if you're not sure what you make of Jesus yet, we'll take this as an invitation. An invitation to know the personal, relational care of having God as your shepherds. The God that many throughout history have known. David looks back at the history of God's people before him. He sees it there. He recognises it in his own life as well. He sees it there. So will you hear the voice of the shepherd this morning and come under his care? Because the shepherd of Psalm 23, he calls you. He calls you to come under his care. To come. Come find comfort. Come and find rest. And he calls us also to know that he will bring us home. 
That is the second of our two points this morning. To be under God's care is to be sure that God will bring us to his house. That God will bring us to his house. That's verses four to six of this psalm. See, in these verses, David stops talking about God and he starts speaking to God. He moves from saying, he does this, to you do this. So we get to verse four. This is the most famous verse in this psalm, isn't it? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As we were talking earlier about lacking nothing, perhaps you were thinking, but what about this? Well, let me point out, there is a wrong way to take this psalm. And that is to see it as saying Christianity has everything perfect right now. Health and wealth, the whole caboodle. The Lord is my shepherd, I will never be ill. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd and money will never be lacking. That is a lie. It is a, a travesty that some people claim the Bible teaches that. Because life here and now, it's not easy. Christians get ill, Christians suffer, Christians die. And to say the opposite of that, let me say this morning, it's despicable. And if we just read Psalm 23, well, it shows that to be the case. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. See, walking through the darkest valley, it's something that we all do. And the comfort in this psalm doesn't come from avoiding it. The comfort comes from knowing that God is, in fact, there with us. As we journey from the field to God's house forever, we are going to walk through dark valleys. There's going to be trials. There's going to be temptations. King David knows that. How do I know that? We can read the previous psalm. Psalm 22, David says this, there is trouble near, there is no one to help. I mean, it's easy, isn't it, to think that God is distant, to think that God is not there with us in the valley. In fact, if you know the book of Psalms, you know where God is in the book of Psalms. He is on his holy mountain. If God's on his holy mountain, where would be the furthest place from him? The valleys, right? Basic geography. You could think God is up there, I'm down here, I'm in the darkness, I'm on my own. Yet Psalm 23, after Psalm 22, shows us how David kept going. Because Psalm 23 is how the David of Psalm 22 kept going. Because the Lord is his shepherd. Because God is with David in the darkest of valleys. Because David knows his shepherd, knows the way through that valley. And he knows the way to the other side. In fact, we're going to see in a moment that our shepherd knows this valley extremely well. But when we know that, we can echo these words, can't we? Even in the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, you are with me. I'm sure we've all been in the situation of walking home alone at night. I remember there used to be an alleyway near where Izzy and I lived. It was the quickest way home from the station, but it was also the darkest. I mean, to Quorum Council, they had put streetlights all the way down it, but they were always flickering. I must say, I avoided that alleyway in the middle of winter. But whenever I walked it with someone else, I didn't even bat an eyelid. See, having someone with you, it changes your perception of things, doesn't it? Having someone with you, it it removes fear. I'll see what this psalm says. When we're under God's care, we are never alone. If you belong to God, you are never alone. That is a promise. That is a reality. 
as we will sing shortly, to this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley he will lead. His rod and his staff, they are there to keep us going. Why does a shepherd need a rod and a staff? Well, two big reasons. Because there are always predators around. And because sheep do stupid things. I mean, God defends and God disciplines. If you were around last Sunday evening, we talked about how that works. But God can whack the predators on the nose. God can bring us back in when we wander. He can show us that the lies of the world, the flesh and the devil, they're empty. And when we wander, he can take hold of us and bring us right back. God disciplines and God defends. And that's a comfort. It's a comfort because of this. Knowing that God takes an active interest in his people's life, a personal and intimate interest in our care, well, that's comforting, isn't it? Knowing that there's nothing external, nothing internal that can get in the way of that. Knowing that God has the power to deal with anything that can take us away. I mean, I'm a musician, let me quote another song. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. That's a comfort, isn't it? I mean, verse 5 here, similar to verse 2. God provides us everything we need for the journey. He says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What is this saying? It's saying this, The greatest of enemies God can trump. Just think about the image here. God leads his people through the field. Where does he lead them to here? He leads them to a feast. Where is that feast? Well, the feast is in the presence of enemies. God takes you, he sets a table in front of you. He serves you the grace of feasts in front of the people who hate you. What is God doing in that picture? Well, he's endorsing you, isn't he? He's putting his stamp on you. He's saying, this one is mine and there's nothing that you can do about it. It's a picture of victory, isn't it? It's a picture of being delighted in. In the next line, it says the same thing. It says here, you anoint my head with oil. Uh, a better reading of that would be, you make my head fat with oil. I mean, better reading. Still an odd thing to say, isn't it? What's going on? Well, to make something fat is to regard something with favour, to delight in something, to mark it out as special. That is what's going on here. And my cup overflows. Everything necessary to this journey is there. In fact, if you know the book of Psalms, the cup in the book of Psalms is God himself. You can see that in Psalm 16. This is saying God is with his people. This is saying that you are never alone. And therefore, even in the midst of enemies, even in the darkest of valleys, God is with his people. And he delights. He regards with favour, even in the worst of times. And that's great, isn't it? To know that that's true. But how long is that going to last for? How long will God care for you for? Well, if you're in God's care, how long is it going to continue for? Verse 6, final words of this psalm. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness and love, that is God's covenant. Uh, God's covenant, the security of God's promises, are going to follow David all the days of his life. That translation is really poor. See, the word follow, it kind of feels like when I've got my two uh, little girls with me, I'm trying to walk down the road, it's like, oh, this is going to take double the amount of time. They're kind of lagging behind me. It'd be far better to translate this word as the word pursue. God's goodness and love, they pursue me. 
or to carry on the shepherd metaphor, they're like a sheepdog. You can't lose them. They're on your back. They're right alongside, right alongside you the whole time. You can't outrun them. You can't lose them. All the days of your life, your goodness and your love, pursue me, David says. And as we said at the start, we will dwell in the house of the Lord. We will return to the Lord's presence where God is, where God is enjoyed. He will get us home. He will get us where we need to be. Who can dwell with God? Who can be with God in his holy mountain? Well, those who God brings in from the field. God's sheep. And again, how long for? Final two words, Psalm 23. Forever. You see, King David, as he writes this psalm, he knows that even in the darkest of times, God has got his back. Even in the midst of his enemies, God will seat him on high. Even on the days when God feels distant in the darkest valley, God's goodness and God's love, they are pursuing him and they won't let him go. So David can be sure that's going to continue for the rest of his life and he's going to dwell with God forever. And he says that to God's people today. You will dwell with God forever. As you've said, that is exactly how God treats all the people he cares for. He has done it all the way through Bible history. He's done it in David's life. So what do you make of that this morning? Do you believe that God delights in you? See, this morning you can echo those words that David penned here for yourself. We can remind each other, we can remind ourselves that even in the darkest valley, God is with us. There's amazing comfort, there's amazing reassurance there, isn't there? And if you feel your own weakness, if you feel the threat of the wolves around you, well, you can know that God has everything needed to keep you on that right path. So what is the message of Psalm 23? Well, to put it simply, it's this. The Lord is your shepherd. And so you can trust God to keep you and to get you home. David could trust that by looking backwards at the history of God's people and by looking at his own life, trusting God's words that refresh the soul for himself. And if we want to do that, well, we can do exactly the same and more. Because in the face of Jesus, we see this shepherd. See, these words of Psalm 23, they take on an extra significance when we hear Jesus say this in John chapter 10. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep. He runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is this. I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. You see, we have more clarity, we have more certainty, even more confidence in our shepherd because he came and secured everything he promised through the whole of history. We can lie down, we can rest in Jesus, 
knowing that he's done everything needed to make us right with God. We can fear no evil, knowing that the Lord Jesus walked through the darkest valley. Just think about the cross. Think of him who walked through the darkest of valleys before us. The one who suffered death upon the cross, the darkest valley there could be. He walked through that valley and he smashed right through to the other side. He has walked those right paths ahead of us. He is the perfecter, the pioneer of our faith. And so we can joyfully follow his lead through to the other side. He is the one whose life is blameless. He is the one who does what is righteous. He is the one who speaks the truth. And therefore, he is the one who can bring us to God, to dwell with God and enjoy him forever. We can hear, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And know that in the face of Jesus, that is true. We can have confidence there. Brothers and sisters, take these words to your hearts this morning. Know that God will shepherd us in the field and that God will bring us to his house and trust him to keep you and to bring you home. The Lord is my shepherd. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Psalm 23. We thank you that with David we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. We praise you that you care for us in the field like a shepherd does his sheep. Thank you that we can trust you in all situations. Thank you that we can cast our cares and our concerns to you and we can lie down in safety. And we thank you that you will take us all the way home. We praise you that even though we might feel distant from you, even though we might walk the darkest valley, you are there with us to protect us and guide us. Father, we ask that as we leave here this morning and go into our weeks, that this truth would stick with us. Father, cause us to mull it over, meditate on it, and really think through what you have said to us this morning. Amen. Amen.